This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. We discovered 56 emotional drivers and five of them make up your dignity. And when that is satisfied, your heart is filled with love. You feel accepted. You feel worthy and that we defend our worthiness at all costs and we don't have to. So I teach people that you're already worthy. You're already amazing. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there, superstars. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. And thanks for joining another episode designed to help you better lead at the top of your game. You know, I wish I had a dollar for every time an instance of miscommunication in the world of work or business happens. If I had a dollar for every time this happened, I would be a trillionaire by now. But unfortunately, in most leadership development programs, we're just not taught how to first diagnose the root cause behind the root cause of conflict and then handle the conflict in a way that preserves everyone's emotions and dignity. Did you know that there is actually a technology that helps with this? Well, to give you more information about it, on today's show, we feature Joe Kittinger, who's the founder and CEO of Profit CO, and Profit is spelled P-R-O-P-H-I-T. Profit CO is a leadership development and executive coaching consultancy which offers a patented employee engagement technology platform called Dignify. Now, Joe was kind enough to offer a free trial of Dignify to all of the Lead at the Top of Your Game listeners. And I want to give you this information up front, just in case you're torn away before the end of the episode. So if you're interested, go to www.dignify.com. You click on this button says enter code and then you enter the code try dignify d-i-g-n-i-f-y all lowercase and then once you do you can examine uh, the tool and kick the tires and see its value so before we get into the episode i just want to remind you to be sure to stay tuned for just two minutes after the episode to listen to my closing segment called karen's take where I share a tip on how to use insights from today's episode to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now, enjoy the show. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to another episode of the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. We are so happy that you uh, chose to join us this week, and we have a tremendous guest on today's show. If you are a person that is passionate about ensuring that you lead with dignity and you provide a space for dignity for your team and family and all those you interact with, then this is going to be the episode for you. We are so pleased to have on today's show, Mr. 
Joe Kittinger. I've been practicing that and still messed it up, but Kittinger. He is the founder and CEO of Profit Co. And Profit Co is a leadership development and executive coaching consultancy. But he, what is unique about Joe is that his company leverages a technology, a patented technology that he created called Dignify. And it's an employee engagement technology platform that he's going to talk to us a ton about today. So welcome to the podcast, Joe. Hey, so excited to be here, Karen. Thank you. <laughs> now, I'm a northerner. You know, I'm up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh, that's how we, Wisconsin. That's, Wisconsin. That's, that's how we talk. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm in Atlanta in the Deep South, so you'll hear the y'alls and the drawls every now and then. So, uh, (laughs) but I think we're uh, colleagues in the space of helping people to be their best selves in a very comfortable and accepting environment. Amen. Amen. So before we dive deep into Profit Co. and your platform, um, Joe, for as much as you feel comfortable, Would you mind giving us a sneak peek into your personal life and passions right now? Oh, goodness gracious. Of course. Always excited to share about me. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right. Okay. Personal life and passions. Well, I grew up as an entertainer. Uh, uh, My parents' friends called us the Von Kittinger family, like the Von Trapp family. You know, Sound of Music. I was the youngest of five. Cutest. Wow. Uh, and it's entertaining was a big thing in my life. My, I have uh, three daughters who are entertainers, and uh, I have a son who is a musician in his own right. And so music is a very big part of our life. Um, hospitality has been a big part of our life. Big into, uh, we were camping. Now we have, a little, we have a little cabin up north. So nice. finding those moments to be on a boat, you know, like a little pontoon boat, uh, is, uh, is something that's a passion of mine. Music is a passion of mine. And just bonding with people and creating special moments is a passion of mine. Wow. So I can only imagine on your family get-togethers, they have got to be a hoot because there's yeah, so many creatives in the house and personalities. If I yeah. Oh, my gosh. We have big sing-alongs around the piano. So in my town of Green Bay, we're small. The Kittingers are known as entertainers, you know, because they see us out and about, especially in the earlier days. And uh, just my daughter, we had a group of kids over on Halloween. I remember this. We have a... We have a a foreign exchange student from Brazil staying with us. And the person that brought her to us is from our community, it was part of the kindergarten class for my girls who are now, now in high school, you know. And she heard about legends of the Kittinger singing around the piano, playing instruments and jamming out. And then when we went to this Halloween thing, she asked Sophia, our foreign exchange daughter, uh-huh. she goes, so do they really sing around the piano? She goes, oh, yeah, lots of times they sing around the piano. <laughs> she goes, because oh, I don't know if that's just legend. or. And then at, on Halloween, one of the daughters, one of the girls from who she invited said, I can't believe I was at a Kittinger sing-along. I'm like, wow, are we that famous? Like, is that really a thing? Yes, it's legend. I'm like, that's adorable. <laughs> I'll have to add that to my bucket list, Joe, to be part of the Kittinger family sing-along. <laughs> and it was a direct flight from Atlanta to Green Bay. Hey, so. There you go. I live in Hartsville-Jackson Airport, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about that. And so help our listeners understand how you moved from being an entertainer to being really focused on founding uh, Profit Co. and its mission. You bet. So um, right out of college, 
I was a communication major out of college. I went to perform on Carnival Cruise Lines. So that was my only professional experience for one gig. I only wanted to do one gig. And I came back and started a, a performing arts school called Empire for the Arts with uh, a dancer who I met and uh, got smitten with. And so we started having singing, dancing, acting, and I could not manage a business. I couldn't uh, manage the money of a business. I could create one. I could do all the creative stuff, but I couldn't manage it. So that's one thing I learned. And the relationship wasn't working well. So now I'm not making any money and so forth. So then I go to work for a television sales company because I'm broke. I have no money. Uh, we split up and the money, the business wasn't making anything anyway. Well, in that journey, because life, when you surrender, takes you to people. I met a gentleman named Dave Scogan and Dave Scogan changed my life. He mentored me. He owned, he owned a, a startup grocery chain. Okay. They only had three locations and he took a liking to me. I took a liking to him and that, and he introduced me to a movement called servant leadership, which is meeting legitimate needs, not wants. And um, I had a front row seat to James Hunter, who wrote the book, The Servant, who sold millions of copies, all these servant leadership experts, professors, because he would have a, a yearly college, you know, for his, his executives. And I would eventually help run it and put my entertainment flair into it. Right. And so he hired me for marketing. I started my own company, an advertising agency. And I went to him and said, I need you to catch me if I break off from selling TV advertising. He said, I'll catch you. And so now they have 40 stores. So I, I tell it's like, you know, investing in Apple when it was young, right. you know, and, and my heart kept going to serve in leadership, even though we were a marketing company. So being courageous, I said, I'm going to start serving leadership quarterly meetings and we're going to get together. And I would, we'd gather up to 200 people. We've been doing that for 17 years now. And people would ask me, why are you having a leadership? Like, you know, it's two hours in the afternoon, four times a year for free. I would find speakers who would just donate their time, great leaders who I deemed to be servant leaders in the community or outside. And they would speak, but people would wonder, why is a marketing company putting on this? And I said, I, I, I just love leadership, so I'm just going to do it, and I love it. In those early years of being in advertising marketing, a company went to Dave and said, I want to learn servant leadership, and he, he sent them to me. And I said to them, I'm a student of servant leadership. I'm not a teacher. I have a marketing company. And they said, well you know more about servant leadership than we do. So why don't we hire you as a marketing company? And then you talk to our team nine times a year. Wow. So I went, okay, I started, it became a book club, right? Let's start with the servant. <laughs> <That's what I'm laughs> and it was just a book club. And after two or three years, I realized that all of my education, we did this, I kept coming nine times a year. What I realized is that at the end of two or three years, Karen, how do you think that leadership team changed from me coming to talk to them nine times a year. What do you think? There was like 14 of them. They grew and evolved because they probably gained connections and in, in the discussions that, and learned more about each other that they never understood before. No, nothing happened. No? Nothing, nothing. So and was I, it a waste was, of time for them? No, it wasn't a waste of time. It was, it was a learning experience for me. <laughs> I said, there's nothing happening. They, they're still berating people. They still have these challenges going on. And I said to them, I think I know what's wrong. And the, and the company leader said, what? I said, all there are is PowerPoint slides, speakers, and books. There's no how to engage servant leadership. That's true. Like a system. There's no system. I said, will you help me? Will you allow me to create a system within your company and be my guinea pig? And they said, yeah. <laughs> yes. Good for you. And so that evolved at the same time 
I was trying to understand my son, Alex, who I met when he was three. So that story is happening the same time I meet my love of my life now. The girlfriend leaves, right? I meet the love of my life. She's uh, 20, I'm 28, so I'm immature. She's mature. We met in the middle. <laughs> and, and she has this adorable boy named Alex, and he reminded me of the Jerry Maguire kid. You ever see Jerry Maguire, Karen? Yes, all the time. Yes, numerous times. That little boy with the big glasses on? Okay, charming, right? Yeah. Every guy thought, ooh, maybe I could <laughs> marry someone with a child. Like that gave hope. Right? <laughs> and he was like, like that kid, big vocabulary, super charming. So I fell in love with him. I fell in love with her. And we get married. By the time he's nine, he starts to become self-conscious. Right? So at the same time I'm with this company, there's this, I'm realizing servant leadership might have something wrong. To, you know, to treat someone how you want to be treated doesn't work because I've been treating him how I want to be treated and I'm getting a response where he's pushing me away. So I was raised very optimistically, entertainers. My dad was, good job, buddy. Best lawn I've ever seen. I mean, I hit the parent jackpot when it came to praising me for mundane things. <laughs> so, That's always like, been. You know, and so I did that to Alex. But when I did that, he would go, ugh. Many of the times I tried to praise him for mundane things, he would get frustrated with me. And I didn't know why. So now he's nine years old. I'm doing this whole thing with Dahl. And I'm realizing there's something missing. And while I'm playing Monopoly with him, I notice those property cards teach you how to treat the property. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Like yeah. you can't match green with this. They have rules. You have to follow the rules. Yeah. And then if I mortgage the property and you land on it, Karen, what happens if we're playing Monopoly and I mortgage Park Place because I'm desperate and I suck out all the money out of it and you land on Park Place, do you know what happens? I haven't played Monopoly in such a long time, but I have to pay you? I don't know. I really. No, if I mortgage the property, I flip it upside down and grab the money out of it. If you land on it, you owe me nothing. Oh, gotcha. We mortgaged it. Yeah. And I had this epiphany, Karen. We mortgage each other all the time. That's true. We try to get the best out of our people. Get everything you can out of our people. Let's just drain that rig dry, right? <laughs> and I thought... Am I mortgaging my son? Ah. But what's cool with Monopoly, on the back of the card, it says, hey, if you pay this amount, you can unmortgage it and get it back. Right. So I had this idea. What if instead of us trying to figure out how to raise our children, what if he could teach me how to raise him? Mm. And that's where About Me card popped in my head. An About Me card. Okay, I had this epiphany. So at the same time, there's no tool at this company I'm working with. And so with their help, because they're my guinea pigs, we created a technology called About Me Card. Now, in this journey of About Me, because you literally had to write it. There was no computer technology. It was literally by hand. It took 45 minutes. And you created little Monopoly cards. And on those cards, it said, here's what you can expect from me, and here are my do's and don'ts. Okay, that's what the card said. But in that journey, we sophisticated it. We automated it. And what we realized is that we discovered something that is so obvious, but was right in our face, we couldn't see it. What was that? Dignity. See, I discovered 56 motivators with the help of a scientist who also we just met. He's, he's in my area. I mean, it's just how life works, right? You're interested in something and he, we meet. He created this algorithm. So he was part of my solution. And he said, there's 56 motivational traits. But as I used them, I go, oh, Larry, his name is Larry. I go, these are more, way more important than motivations. I mean, this isn't strength finders. I go, this is like my heart. Like this is, 
like this, these are my top five. And I go, dignity traits. And he goes, oh my gosh. So I started studying dignity and dignity is our worthiness. Yes. Right? To be worthy of honor and respect is the definition of dignity. So in my journey, we stumbled upon something that we all agree in, dignity. We should all dignify each other. We always say with respect and dignity. And we discovered 56 emotional drivers that makes up, and five of them make up your dignity. And when that is satisfied, your heart is filled with love. You feel accepted. You feel worthy. And that we defend our worthiness at all costs. And we don't have to. So I, I teach people that you're already worthy. You're already amazing. Like, just do you. Then that's why you asked me, which seven out of your book I'm, I'm most like gravitate towards? And that's courageous agility. Courageous agility. Yeah, I can see that now why you selected that one. But tell yeah. me more. I'm not a psychologist. I would have people go, are you a PhD in psychiatry that you're inventing this? I'm like, no, I want to I wanna learn how to love my son. Is that okay? Yeah, exactly. But to your point, having a high degree of dignity is important in all walks of life. So I can imagine there's the business application, but then there's the family or the school or the charitable applications. It, it, it ranges every lens of our lives, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Do- Dr. Donna Hicks, who is the only author or, or authority I, I found on the subject of dignity, she wrote two books. And her second one is Leading with Dignity. It's absolutely amazing. But I called her and I showed her my invention. Oh, and we did. So I called her and I showed her our invention. And she said, because she's the authority on dignity, knows a lot more than I do. And she said, you know, Dignity Joe is located in the limbic system, which is the emotional part of the brain. Right. And it doesn't process language. I said, okay. She goes, like your emotions, like if you're angry, you don't always know how to express that. If, you're, if you love someone, you go to Hallmark because they do a better job of expressing, you know, right? Otherwise, it just... Heart. Yeah. <laughs> so she said, what your tool allows people to do is have an open dialogue around emotional topics without getting emotional. Mm-hmm. And I went, wow. There you go. I guess I didn't realize it. So now people are having discussions around dignity because dignify is not a, a personality test, it's a survey. And then all that information gets fed into our machine, and you just talk. Just hit the talk button, and it'll bring up subjects that two people can talk about to explore each other's dignity in a safe and beautiful way. I love that. I absolutely love that. So, can you give us some examples on? In general, and how clients have used your tool to increase the level of dignified conversations or make an impact on the business or in their environments? Sure. Absolutely. I'll give you two examples. The first was early on, which I just love, and I still give this example. It was a small mechanic shop. Okay. He had two locations in, in Wisconsin, and his number one mechanic came up to him, to the owner, and said, I want you to fire the service writer. Okay. Now, a service writer is a person you and I would talk to and they go, what's wrong with your car? And you go, it's making a noise. It's doing this. And they go, oh, okay, thank you. And then they bring it to the mechanic, right? That's a service writer. And so, and the owner goes, why? And he goes, because he undermines me. He's always undermining me. And he goes, well, what does he do? Well, he goes, if I replace the brake pads, he, he'll take the old one and go, this looks good to me. Why do you replace it? Right. Tire tread questioning everything. He goes, and he used not flaw. He, he used some interesting language. Flowery language, right? Describing 
how this gentleman should no longer work for the company. <laughs> Yikes. Said, I want to, sh this is when we were called about me card, but the technology is fundamentally the same. So he shows him his dignity. And he go and the guy goes, I don't need his dignity to know that he's a bleep, bleep, bleep. Okay. He goes, well, I tell you what, just read what he expresses on himself. And then, then we can consider firing him. Wow. So he looked at the information and he handed the information back to the owner and said, all right, I'll make him the best damn mechanic ever, but he better pay attention. So what he read was there's 56 dignity traits. The mechanic had competent as one of them. I am the expert in my field. That's how he expressed it. The other gentleman had curious. How he expressed it was, I want to learn from you so I can grow. So when he was asking questions, his intent was to become a, a mechanic someday and to learn from this mechanic who he respected, but he didn't have the people skills or the articulation to quite say that. So as soon as this mechanic saw the intention behind his action, he then was honored that he would consider him a teacher. Oh, I can see that. I can see. And that is a huge example among many where we are a bunch of misunderstandings walking around. I judge you by your actions, but I judge myself by my intentions. So my intention is to do good by you, Karen, but way, maybe because I'm too aggressive, maybe the words I chose, maybe what I did, you interpret it through your dignity as I've made me feel uncomfortable. You must not like me. You know, you didn't say please or thank yous if you're wired that way. Right. So what Dignify does is it allows two people to sit down and prevent any of that stuff from even happening if you do what we call a Dignify check-in. And so employers put it into their system. Remember, there's, there's no system for servant leadership? Right. Well, we have a system that is run usually by operations or HR, and they go, hey, it's check-in month. And they pair people up and they play the Wheel of Dignity, which is like a Wheel of Fortune game. And they, they learn how to share some vulnerability and some humility within the course of this conversation. They discover who they are while they express their dignity and they clear up misunderstanding. So now if two employees are at each other's throat and they go to the leader and they talk behind each other's back, today, those who work with us, the leaders go, I want you two to do a check-in and dignify. And I can't wait to see what you discover. Have a good day. And so the two employees work together via your tool to better yes. understand each other. Wow. That and, and they just click a button and it tells them what to ask each other. So they don't have to become a master on how to read a dignified snapshot. They don't have to know any of the stuff. They just have to click the button. And we each have do's and don'ts that, that rule respect. And so the system goes, hey, Karen, you have, give me all the details. Uh, and then the system goes on a scale, like, what do you mean by that? And you go, well, I need details to get all my stuff done. and then. The next question pops up. How would you rate me on supporting that on a scale of one to five? You go, well, I'll give you like a four, even though you want to give me a one. I'll give you like a four. And then a question pops up. How can I make that a five for you? Ah, I like and that. And so we're learning how to serve, not why are you giving me that? That triggers something negative. But my point is it pulls out all these questions and things that is important to that individual and allows two people to have a logical conversation around an emotional reaction. So who's your target market for this? Usually owners or divisional leaders who put people first, okay? Yeah. And so they typically are companies that are at least maybe 70 to 100 employees, but they realize our system can cater to thousands of employees because of the way it's programmed. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And so you organizations would buy access to 
a model for their organization. And then you all kind of assume train them up on how to use it. And then they're able to. Yep. So let's say a divisional leader wants it. The divisional leader typically has a budget for their division. Sure. They love people. They care about their people. They really want to, you know, bring in this type of servant leadership or dignity based culture. Right. Well, then we work with that leader. We interview that leader. We ask a lot of questions, understand the makeup of their department and their, in their situation, know what their pain is or, and what's going well. And then we customize a program that would incorporate Dignify into it um, that would help that leader achieve what they're trying to achieve. Gotcha. So as you know, this podcast is all about helping people to lead at the top of their game and and this fits right into it. So if I can ask you, and this might come from your workshops or what have you, but we try to give our uh, listeners at least one tip, piece of advice or playbook, knowing what you know about the research and how organizations use Dignify, what is one tip or piece of advice that you can give to our audience members as they approach more dignified environments and conversations? Sure. Understand that what people say they don't mean and what they mean they won't say when they're emotional. And so something I've learned that when someone's emotional, I mean, regardless if you have a dignified as a software or not, just about dignity, right, right is, is when uh, you're leading an individual, depending on how you're wired, you may react a certain way. You might be the fixer. You know, you might be, well, we're just going to do this. You dive in and fix it. And that's not what they're asking of you because they can't really tell you what they really mean. Okay. Because they've got a problem. Right. Or you might, be the, you might be the collaborator leader where you're sitting there going, well, tell me more. And you're like that. that you're, you're gifted That's at listening. <laughs> tell me more. I'm going to help them discover it. Well, that you can go over the top there too because helping them discover, they might just they might be wired to go, just tell me what to do, Karen. Like I need you to tell me what to do. Right. One way to, to help with dignity is when someone comes to you with a challenge, I've learned, uh, there's three things. One, are you venting to me? And you need to get it out. Because that's good. I'm glad you're venting to me and not to another employee. You know, yes, I'm just venting. Let it out. Let it out. Good. You feel better now? Okay, good. Number two, are you sharing this with me because you're asking my advice on what you can do to fix it? Or number three, as you're sharing this information with me, are you escalating it to me because you definitely want me to get involved in some way other than advice? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. You know? So when you have those three options, a person goes, I'm just venting or I just need your advice. Don't take any action. Okay. Because what I don't want to do is accidentally jump into something and make it even worse than what the situation could be because I interpreted it through my motivation and moves quick to action. That's one of them. I'm driven to just fix it. Let's just go. Right. Like I'm driven to go fast. And my my wife, thank God, (laughs) uh, slowed me down, always goes, don't send that email. This is years ago. Don't send that email. Don't do the text right now. Just pause. Pause and breathe, yes. <laughs> and ask, settle down. Yeah. Because that person was emotional. Therefore, what they say they don't mean and what they mean they can't say. Because the part of their brain is doesn't have language, so they don't always articulate it well. Right. Some people have a gift for being in tune with their emotions. The poets, the artists, they sing about it. I'm going to a Taylor Swift concert with my daughters. Guess what? Taylor brings her whole life and throws it in song. She does. Most people don't have that kind of uh, intuitive, like reflection to put feelings into words. Right. Well, we just say things we don't mean, and we usually hurt someone's feelings. 
And we don't mean to, but we end up doing so sometimes unintentionally, yeah. right? Yeah. That would be my advice. To experience dignity is to step outside yourself and allow yourself to really to understand where they're coming from. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And that's just, you know, a slice of increasing one's emotional intelligence when you do that, right? That's um, everything we coach is emotional intelligence. Everything. <laughs> you know, whenever you come down to it, you have something like that. You've got like intrapreneurship. Is that the mindset of uh, emotional intelligence leading yourself? Yeah, that and uh, stakeholder savvy when you're being very conscious about the other person and adjusting based on, you know, the situation and the conversation that you're having with them. That's exactly right. For for influence is a big deal, isn't it? It is. It definitely is a big deal. Well, before I let you go, I want to focus on you as a founder because launching uh, Profit Co and your technology platform, although I'm, it's strawberries and unicorns right now. I'm sure there was a journey behind that. So can you share uh, how hard was it to actually grow your firm and be a leader in a company when you're you know, uh, trying to get um, this great work that you've uh, created out into the universe to help others? How's it been being a leader and a founder of Profit? Exhausting. Um, <laughs> yeah, same here. Thrilling and everything else, right? Because remember, we were an advertising company. Yeah. We turned into a marketing company. And as of four or five years ago, we shed that and went straight into organizational health. So now you're doing newspaper ads, and you're doing TV commercials and all this stuff. We're saying we're no longer going to do that. You know what that does to your staff? Deflates them, makes them scared. Uh, I signed up for a marketing company. I didn't sign up for this stuff when you fly out and figure all this stuff out. Right. It was a big challenge because I had to, and then you have to bootstrap it. Yes. Yeah. Bootstrapping, for those who don't know, is you pay for your own technology. So you, as a small company, you're putting over the years millions of dollars into something you believe in. And imagine in my journey, it was a disconnect. How is this tool go to marketing? Uh, you could say, oh, well, that's another motive. We didn't use it to try to persuade you to buy a product. Right. 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 We're using it for people who are interested in learning about servant leadership and and so forth and how to be a better leader. So there was definitely a a, a big challenge. And so you lose half your team. Yeah. Some because you can't use them anymore. Yeah. Right. Like the, they're the skill talents. You need. Yeah. Yeah. And others you could use their skill sets, but they're too scared to go in that direction. Yeah. You know. So transparency at the right time is something I've learned, and I think we did it. Well, we didn't overshare too soon in the process, right? And I think we allowed, I hope, we allowed our team enough time to process it. And when our largest account, that Festival Foods, well, we ended up doing their newspaper ad for many, many, many years. And then they grew to a billion plus company and they said, we don't need you to do our newspaper ads anymore. And we love you. It's because you're not good. It's because we're growing. Right. Well, we were poised to be the last where I'm sitting right now, I used to have eight production people on a long dining room table working on doing a weekly newspaper ad, as you know them in your paper, right, for grocery. Right. Now it's a studio. It's, and we had to make that transition, and it does take changing appropriately. And I think over the years, it's been, I call it a 10-year pivot we did. It took 10 years. To pivot to what you're doing now. Yeah. And I think that's an important lesson for our listeners to 
learn and understand that, especially, I mean, I know people it's overused, but in this like changing hyper competitive world, if you are resistant to pivoting, no matter your job function or industry that you're working in, you're going to get left behind because, you know, people are looking for new opportunities to be more productive and stronger and to build their skills. And I think your platform definitely helps to do that. It provides kind of a how-to playbook for organizations of all kinds. Um, I'm just so proud of what you've done and so thrilled that, you know, that you came on the podcast because I want to help amplify what Profit Co. is doing as far as we can. We're not like Howard Stern and have the world in our oyster in our hands, but and within our, our audience, what we're able to do, hopefully we're able to plant seeds and expand your reach as well. Well, Karen, I, I appreciate that. And for all of your listeners, I'll give the, you a free Dignify survey that you can discover your dignity. Nice. Maybe spread it to some people close to you, but you go to Dignify.com and you'll click on enter code, and the code is try dignify. And it will just allow you to see, you know, and, and I encourage you to have two or three people do it so they can, like maybe maybe a husband and wife. We're going to do dignify date night starting this summer, Karen. Now, you know, I haven't had a chance to share, but my husband and I go on date night every Friday night at 730. Ooh. So I am going to schedule one Friday night. We're going to do a date night at home, and we're going to do your dignify survey. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna look at your do's and don'ts, and you're going to say, "Honey, how am I doing with each one of your do's and don'ts? And am I supporting your top five dignity traits, or am I unknowingly pulling you down? Because we do that accidentally." Yeah, we do. Unfortunately, we do it. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I'm going to so, yeah. issue a challenge to all the listeners to do that. We'll have all the information in the show notes, everyone, so that you can try it out. But just don't try it out. Take it to heart. Make it yeah. be very serious about it. And then introduce it to maybe your co-founders or leaders in your organizations and reach out to Joe and bring it to your organization. Um, we all talk about doing our best to retain great talent within our organizations. This is one way to do it in a, a very fun and meaningful way, an inspiring way, in my opinion, anyway. <laughs> it, it is, Karen. and, and it- People say, wow, I mean, for an employer to care this much about me? Yes. One last story. Uh, I want you to picture in the mall. We all know what a mall is. I know they're going away. but Yeah, we still have them. <laughs> we were working with an owner that owned a great American cookie store. You know where you buy those like delicious cookies in a mall? Yeah. Here in, here in our area. And he said, I'm going to use your tool to know where to place these young kids. Because he had high schoolers, right? That's usually the first job behind the, the counter. And so he had this one girl, we filmed her, her name is Lauren, you know, and he goes, she is competent and artistic in her top five. And she goes, and right when I saw that, because they got hired and then they would do their little survey, he goes, you're going to be my best cookie decorator. She goes, well, I'm artistic, but I'm more into like, you know, painting. <laughs> right? And he goes, no, artistic is artistic yeah. and you're competent, which means you're going to learn the process fast. That's right. And she literally... Instead of, he goes, normally I would wait for a person to work their way into that role. Yeah. He goes, I put it right at cake decorating. And this person's totally introverted. I can see that from their report. I'm putting them back to make the cookies. This person, you couldn't trust them to make anything. But man, <laughs> they have a wonderful personality. We're going to put them out selling the cookies. 
So he said, that worked great. But the biggest magic was when you do Dignify, you're going to read these paragraphs that are specifically for you. And they only build you up. They tell you your beauty. They tell you your strength. And you can print these off. And he gave them to each kid. He said the kid would bring them home to their parents. He said, I started getting text messages because that's how you communicate with your kids, right? Of course. Yes. That's all I do. Saying, thank you for helping me understand my son or my daughter. Oh. I am passing you on to my friends because I cannot imagine a better place for my child to start understanding what it's like to go do a job in a place that cares so much about them like yours. He goes, I did not see that coming at all. He goes, I had a steady flood of people, these teenage kids, and they might only work for a season or two or for a few months. He goes, but I don't care. They were great kids. Yes. That's a whole nother market for you right there, Joe. <laughs> it's all about getting dignity to the world. And that's where leaders come in because you need strong leaders like yourself and those who listen to you to realize I can make it. I am going to make a bigger difference. They already realize they can if they're tuned into you, Karen. They do. So this is just a tool to give you credit. That's why we work with divisional leaders who put people first because they, they sometimes you bang your head against the wall going, gosh, I love you so much, but you don't see that, you know? And so you have the support tool that aligns with what you already believe in, of course, and it expresses in the words how you feel about a person. And they look at those words and they immediately associate them with the person that gave it to them. Do you think about this of me? Absolutely. There's magic in you. Well, we want to help spread that magic. So thank you so much, Joe, for sharing Profico, Dignify, and everything you have, um, all the tidbits. I was sitting here taking notes as we were going along. Um, But thank you so much for the gift of your time to be on the podcast today. Oh, you are so welcome. And thank you for your gift and your wonderful personality uh, and everything you bring to the leadership world as well. It's it's been a pleasure to connect South and North. (laughs) That's right. And all right, listeners, thank you for listening to another episode. And you all know there's only one ask I ask of you. One is to uh, like and subscribe to our podcast and also share with just one person, one friend, so that uh, we can expand our reach and help leaders just like you lead at the top of their game. Have a wonderful rest of your week and see you next week. Take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Joe Kittinger, founder and CEO of Profit CO. Links to his bio, his entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources can be found in the show notes, both on your favorite podcast platform of choice and on the web at leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take on today's topic of preserving one's dignity. You know, dignity is the inherent worth and value of every human. And dignity is very different from respect. Dignity is given, but respect is earned or lost through an individual or a group's choices, actions, or behavior. So I want to give you a few common sense reminders to help you prepare to have difficult conversations while simultaneously preserving everyone's dignity. The first reminder is to do your homework before having any tough conversation. Never initiate a hard conversation based solely on your observations. You need proof of your concerns. Gather the data and the cold hard facts. That's gonna drive the foundation 
of helping them to understand your angst. The more you prepare, the better your meeting should go. My second reminder is to make it safe to talk. A safe conversation is one in which both parties feel comfortable about expressing their thoughts and feelings without negative ramifications and without feeling threatened. And to make a conversation safe, state up front a mutual purpose for the conversation and a desire for a win-win outcome. Remember, you have to care about the interests of others as well as your own. And my third reminder is to be sure to loop back to review the situation after you have the conversation. Once you've had that hard conversation and the situation has begun to resolve or improve, circle back with those individuals and grab them for maybe a cup of coffee to have an informal, brief discussion, to do a quick check-in with them, and to reiterate your support and to ensure that there are no hard feelings. You know, this is going to go a long way to solidify your ongoing relationship with them. As I mentioned, these are common sense reminders, but extremely important uh, to deepen your relationships. So in closing, don't let difficult conversations wreck anyone's dignity. Keep the offering of mutual respect front and center, because the instant someone perceives disrespect in a conversation, that interaction is no longer about the original purpose of solving a problem. It's now about defending one's dignity. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and share with just one friend because performing this one selfless act will empower you to help others to also lead at the top of their game. Thank you so much for listening and see you next week. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.